0: Welcome to Doe Valley Ministry, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. This is where Christ brings division. Matthew 34 through 39. not think that i came to bring peace on earth i did not come to bring peace but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it this is the word of god for us today so matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through 39 the prince of peace brings a sword the theme here is something that the german theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer called the cost of discipleship. See, Bonhoeffer learned how steep the cost could be in a Nazi concentration camp where he forfeited his very life. The SS doctor who witnessed his execution said, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. But what is to be expected for us? How much does this free gift of salvation cost? And with what premium must we pay? Jesus mentions three dimensions to the cost of following him and then concludes with the benefits that can be expected for those who choose to follow. The first thing that Jesus notes is that following him will bring division. In verses 35 and 36, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Here is a prophetic quote in our passage this morning, and it is a strange one to say the least. Jesus reaches back to the prophecy of Micah, to a passage speaking about a time when the people have fallen away from the Lord, a time of apostasy and the care that the faithful must take at that time, that they must not trust in those they should be able to trust in. And Jesus zeroes in on the part of the passage that says, even families are divided in such time. Now, this isn't the kind of passage you would expect the Messiah to be claiming fulfillment of. You'd expect passages like we read last week about the Messiah performing miracles. You'd expect passages about the Messiah establishing God's kingdom. But you don't expect this, division. Why division? Because Jesus brought a message that isn't always so popular. The Apostle Paul said the message is a stumbling block. Because although the gospel is good news, it is perceived by some as very bad news. The news that we all are sinful and need a Savior. You see, the need for a Savior isn't always a popular thought. For me to accept a Savior, I must confess my own moral bankruptcy. And there is something in the human spirit that is rankled by that thought. There is something within us that wants a God who affirms that we are good enough as we are, a God who will say, your life balances to the good, welcome to heaven. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, your life is messed up and you can't fix it, so I'll fix it for you. And of course, our human nature says to Jesus, no, I want to do that myself. So your profession of faith in Jesus as your Savior doesn't make you popular with everyone. They see your claim of being a Christian or your faithfulness in church as you saying there's something wrong with them. Of course, they don't understand that you're also saying there's something wrong with you and that only Jesus could fix. But some of you experience division between you and your family, between you and your friends, that you would had when you weren't following Jesus or when you weren't following him seriously at least. And now your relationships with those people are strained or even severed because the Christian you makes them uncomfortable. Jesus said that would happen, and you need to understand that it's not because you're doing it wrong, but because you're doing it right. They don't reject you, they reject him. Part of the cost of discipleship is certainly division the next dimension of the cost of following him is that it forces you to make a decision in verse 37 anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me here the point is not just that your choice to follow jesus causes your loved ones to pull away from you but that you must make a priority choice between Jesus and those people and things that you care about. And here it's regardless of whether or not they are also followers of Christ. This is the Abraham test. You remember God called upon Abraham to be willing to sacrifice the son of promise? God calls on us to make a decision about priorities in our life that places him first above our career, above our comfort, above our personal hopes and dreams, above even father and mother, son and daughter if needed. Now, does that mean that we're being called to neglect family responsibilities in the name of spirituality? No, of course not. The Apostle Paul wrote that the one who doesn't care for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Caring for and loving your family is part of your service to the Lord, but I cannot and must not ever take priority over your love and dedication to Him. So the cost of discipleship can cause division and often calls for decision. But there's one more thing following Jesus requires, and that's determination. We see that in verse 38. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Ouch, now that hurts. There's no doubt about it. The cross was an instrument of torture. Jesus was being very politically incorrect for even mentioning it here, because Jews at this time refused to speak of crucifixion in polite company. It was considered an obscenity. Here is Jesus not only talking about it, but saying, if you want to follow him, you have to carry a cross. To make it a little more contemporary, imagine some guy on the street calling for people to pick up an electric chair and follow him. Not the greatest selling point for your new religion. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's going to take that kind of determination a willingness to follow, whatever the cost. I read about a career day school assembly where the school had invited the Army, the Air Force, and the Marine recruiters to give their pitch to the students. The first two went overtime and the Marine had only two minutes to speak. He stood and stared at the students and finally said, I doubt if there's more than three of you here who could make it in the Marines, but I want to see those three at my table. And you know what happened next? His table was surrounded. Jesus is saying the same thing about being his follower. It's not going to be easy. No wimps allowed. It's going to take determination, even though Christ paid for our salvation with his own blood, and it's a free gift that that I can't add anything to. He makes it clear that it will cost us something, that something is nothing, nothing more and nothing less than our lives. Why would that appeal to anybody? For the same reason the Marine recruiter had such success. We all understand deep down that anything worthwhile costs us something. We understand that difficult things have great rewards. That reward is the last thing that we're going to look at here today. The reward of following Jesus is discovery. And we see that in verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we attempt to hold on to our lives, we find that we cannot. But if we will surrender our lives to him, we will discover real life. Jesus uses marriage as a metaphor for our relationship to him. And there is a similarity at this point. No matter how many jokes you hear about giving up your freedom when you get married, anyone who has experienced marriage the way it ought to be understands that whatever surrender there is to make a relationship work is dwarfed by the fulfillment and magic of two becoming one. Life without Jesus is shallow and empty. When we give our lives to Him, our hearts find its true home. We were created to be in relationship with him. And when we surrender to him, our life's purpose is fulfilled. We have life and more abundantly real life, life the way it's supposed to be. So by giving ourselves to him, we don't lose our life, but find real life. That is the reward of following him. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we understand the cost of following you. We know it will cause division. We know we must make a decision and be determined to follow you daily. We do this all for that awesome discovery of eternal life with you. Help us to remember that this week and start enjoying our eternity with you each and every day. Through whatever trials and tribulations may arise, we know you are there with us, guiding and strengthening us. Use us this week for your honor and glory. Amen.